Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7. The Bible says that he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart then, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed them with oil, and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I want to thank you for uh, the good singing we've heard tonight, the testimonies, Lord, the, the opportunity to gather together one more time this year as we close this year out. Lord, if it's your will, we see another year. Uh, God, we want to thank you for letting us have church this year. And I pray that you'll bless Bible Baptist in 2022. God, that you'll, uh, Lord, bless our church in days to come. And Lord, bless tonight. Have your will and have your way. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice four things in this text about the 12 apostles here as the Bible says in verse number seven, and he called unto him the 12. Notice that first of all, they're calling. The Bible says that he called unto him the 12. Now, these men were called, but they weren't just called, but they were called by him and they were called unto him. And I think that's something we should all remember. I, I'm not talking necessarily about the call to preach, but we've all been called by him and called unto him. I, I'm not a Calvinist by no means, but I do believe that if you get saved, you're gonna hear the voice of God speak to you uh, through the word of God. It is a still small voice that will call you unto salvation and anyone can be saved that wants to be saved and the call has been sent out through the word of God and if you hear his voice and you respond, then you can be saved. But we're reminded this morning, this evening that we belong to him, amen? Uh, we're his people, we're a, a, we're a royal priesthood, we're chosen people that have been called unto him. And so we see their calling and then we see their commandment in verse number eight. The Bible says in verse eight and nine that he commanded them that they should take nothing. Amen. You know, that is the command that God gives all of us that we do not uh, uh, get, indulge ourselves in earthly things and material things of this world, but because we have been called, we've been called out. Amen. We've been called unto some things and the commandment is uh, that on this journey that we're on. I'm not talking about uh, life in the physical realm, but I'm talking about life uh, in the spiritual realm and in the eternal realm. Uh, we know and we understand that we're not going to take anything with us in the next life. Amen? And so the command is, is that we take nothing on our journey. I'm talking about total separation, total denial, total yielding to God, total surrender, and just letting the Lord have his way in our life. And so we see their command 
land. And when we, then we see their commission in verse 10 and verse number 11. The Bible said, and he said unto them. And we'll say more about these two verses in just a moment. But Jesus commissions them in verse number 10 and verse number 11. He instructs them. He commissions them where they are going. And what that tells me is that when God puts us on this journey, he don't just put us on, save us and put us on this journey to just go through life without any purpose. Amen? I'm telling you in verse 10 and 11, it's very easy to see that the disciples, Jesus had a plan for them. He had a purpose in them doing what they were doing. And the same is true in our life today. Every one of us have been commissioned on this journey. And so we see their calling. We see their commandment. We see their commission. But notice in verse number 12 and verse number 13, I want you to notice their completion. As the Bible said that they went out and they preached that men should repent, they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. You see, when I got to verse 12 and 13, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart in just simply this phrase here, mission accomplished. I want to preach on that tonight, on mission accomplished. You see, Jesus in verse seven takes and sends them out by two, and the Bible said he gave them power over unclean spirits. He tells them in verse number 10, verse number 11, that they're gonna go in houses and they're going there to be a witness. They're going to give the gospel. They're going to preach the gospel. Well, when you get to verse number 12 and verse number 13, they accomplish everything that the Lord had sent them out to do. I'm not telling you that everything the apostles did uh, that they accomplished no more than you and I could look back and say, we've accomplished everything that God has ever set us out to do. But in this text and in this uh, and in this incident, in this circumstance, uh, uh, he sends them out, and they do exactly what he asked them to do. I tell you, that ought to be the desire of every Christian that we would accomplish the mission that God puts in our life. You see, your mission is not my mission, and my mission is not your mission. We're all running in the same race, uh, but we all have our own course that we're supposed to run. We're not running against each other; we're running with each other, and I. Our goal ought to all be the same that we accomplish the mission, the task that the Lord puts in front of every one of us. As a preacher, we're to accomplish our task. As a layman, we're to accomplish our task. As a father, as a mother, as a, as a young person, we're to accomplish the task that is in front of us. And I think there's a great danger of that we should be aware of that as it's already been said tonight two or three on two or three occasions that we don't go through life and we get so busy and so wrapped up in the things of this world that we forget that we have a mandate. We have a mission. Uh, listen, we're here with a purpose and God has a plan in our life. And it's greater than an earthly plan or a physical plan. There's a spiritual and eternal realm that we're to be thinking on at all times. And I got to looking at these, these apostles here to accomplish the mission that God gave them. How did they do that? I think there's four requirements here to accomplish God's will in this text. And we see 
And in these verses, how did they do in verse 12 and 13 what Jesus asked them to do in the early verses? How did they accomplish that? I think the requirements are seen here very easy in this text. Number one, I want you to see to accomplish the mission that God has called you to do, it requires unity, amen? The Bible said in verse seven, and he called unto him the 12 and began to send them forth, notice this, by two and two. So we see here that the first thing it requires is unity. They didn't go out by themselves. Nobody was a lone ranger here. Nobody went out to and set out to have their own ministry alone by themselves. But Jesus is sending them out and he's not sending them out alone. He is sending somebody with them. And what this tells us two by two is that they were going to be a witness. Amen. They were going out in twos to witness. They were going out to to watch as one was doing the witnessing, another one was doing the watching. You've got to remember in Bible days, listen, there was great persecution in the land where they were witnessing. They were in great danger by even the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And to be a witness in Christ's day, even when he was living here, did not come without its suffering and its persecution. And so Jesus sends them out. And you know, that's amazing in itself that there is a fine line between faith and foolishness, amen? Sometimes people think that if you step out and do the extraordinary, something that is just to the extreme, then God is in it. I'm gonna tell you, friend, when God puts you out there, uh, listen, in the extraordinary, in the extreme, he'll go with you. You'll still not go by yourself. But to venture out and do something on your own uh, can cause great danger in your life uh, and even to the ministry. So Christ knew that. And listen, he gave us a Bible, but he also gave us a brain. Can I get a witness right there? And the Bible is common sense. Uh, and the Bible has logic, but the Bible also requires faith. But God give us a brain uh, to discern but to the difference between faith and foolishness. Amen. And so we find here that they had to work together. It required this to be a witness, to be a watch. And for the work, they were going out to work. And you know what that means two by two is that one man cannot do this job alone. He cannot do it by himself. He needed the hands. He needed the voice. He needed the prayers of someone else. I'm gonna tell you, none of us can serve God within ourselves. Amen. We need the Lord's help, but we also need the help of the brethren. Amen. I never have had a lot of confidence in these people that's been a member of 25 different churches. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, listen, they stay a member of a church about, about as, probably about as long as a set of good years would last on a vehicle. Amen. I mean, they're not even an 80,000 mile Christian. Amen. They're probably about a 35,000 mile Christian, you know. In about two years, they're ready to move on somewhere else and they always say God let them here and God let them there. Now I don't believe that mess. Amen. Never have believed it. I've seen the track record of those. They stir up trouble everywhere they go. The bottom line is they've never learned how to work with the church. Amen. And you'll never learn how to work with the church if you don't work in the church. Isn't that right? And so they go out two by two. Listen, they're not doing this within themselves. And they also are together, my friend, not just for the work, but they're together for the walk. Amen. You know what Jesus knew? He knew that serving him at times can be difficult and lonely. So what he gave them was each other. The brethren. Brother, I'm telling you, could you imagine God could have saved us and not gave us the church? 
could have left us in this world and, and just uh, uh, let us be a witness in this world. But you know what he did? He gave us the church, a gathering place. Now I know the building in itself is not the church. We are the church, but he gave us a place to come together in his name, a place that he chose to put his name. And we come together and we worship. Why do we do that? We draw strength from each other. If you don't believe that, think about how many times on a Wednesday night in your flesh you didn't feel like going to church. I know that to be true because there's times even in my own flesh I didn't feel like going to the house of God in my flesh. Maybe your body gets tired. Maybe you've had a rough day. And so in your flesh, you don't really feel like going but duty calls and you know it's your responsibility you know it's what it's your obligation you know it's the right thing to do and so you go on anyway and listen you know what happens you leave feeling better than you did when you came amen you know what that is you drew strength from the word of God but you also drew strength from the brethren amen and there's something about walking together as Christians in unity how it helps our Christian life amen if you're going to accomplish the task God has put in your life, if it's going to be mission accomplished, you need the church. Amen. And it requires unity. Secondly, it requires unction. Notice what the Bible said in verse number seven, that he gave them power over the unclean spirits. What I see in this little phrase here is that this is given power. The Bible says, and gave them power. That tells me they didn't have no power in themselves. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. I'm telling you, self-sufficiency is killing us in this hour. I'm telling you, thank God for, for good jobs and thank God for, for money to operate. Thank God for, for all the means that God has given us in this life. Uh, but I want to tell you something. When it comes to the work of God, uh, there's something that, that we all desperately need uh, and that is the power of God. Uh, and it don't come through our ability and it don't come through our machinery. It don't come through our money. It comes through God has to give it to us. Uh, it is given power, amen. And I see it's group power. Notice the next word he said he gave them power amen you see he just didn't give power to one but he gave that ability that power to all 12 of them I'm telling you tonight if you want to walk in the power of the spirit and live in the power of the spirit of God you can amen that's not just for preachers that's not just for Sunday school teachers that's for every Christian we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit we're to empty ourselves we're to get full of God and what is the power of God I'm going to tell you what it is it's not some sensational feeling. It's not some lightning bolt. It's not some mystical plateau that only a few can get on. No. The power of God is the ability to do what you cannot do within yourself in the service of God. Amen. If you look at this in context, it is power for one reason. It's power for service. Amen. You know, you can pray for the power of God. But if you're not serving God, it's not going to give you that power. And power is not to elevate the flesh. The power is not to make us look like or appear as some super Christian. But the power is the ability to serve him, Amen. to accomplish the task that God has placed in front of us. And I see that it's group power. Anyone can have the power of God. Young person, you want the power of God in your life, you can have it. If you're willing to ask for it and pay the price. It's God's power. The Bible said he gave them 
power. That's not just any kind of power. That's not the power of electricity, the power of machinery. It's the power of God and it's glorious power. It was over unclean spirits. I want to say tonight to accomplish the mission that God has placed in our life, it requires unity, it requires unction, and then it requires untying. Amen. Notice what he said in verse number eight. He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only. No script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. They couldn't have that script was a bag. They couldn't take a bag with them. They couldn't take bread with them. They couldn't take money. They couldn't take, they couldn't take uh, two coats with him. Why is that? What is Jesus teaching them? He's untying them from earthly things. He's teaching them that if you're gonna serve me, you're gonna have to serve me by faith. You're gonna have to walk by faith. You're gonna have to live by faith. Uh, you're not gonna be able to uh, lean and trust on the, the materialistic things of this world. Now, I don't think the Bible is teaching us that we go home and get rid of everything that we got and we sell everything we got. I mean, if God told you to do that, it'll be okay. But you're not to do that. That's not the principle here. The principle is you can have these things in life as long as these things don't have you. Amen? Listen, you're not to, to obtain anything that gets a hold of your life or causes you to trust it or lean on it. or, or, or to, you know. And I'll say this. Some people don't have a lot, but what they have has them. And some people has a whole lot. But at the end of the day, it doesn't, none of those things really mean that much to them. I want to say tonight, we have to untie ourselves. This is personal. Notice the Bible said in verse number eight, he commanded them that they should take nothing. Notice this for their journey. It's his power, it's his apostles, but it's their journey. God put us all on a journey, didn't he? My journey's not your journey. And your journey's not my journey. It's personal. I want to say tonight as a Christian, as we, are on the, as we are on the threshold of a new year, and I don't believe in new year resolutions, but I think it is a good time to make some commitments. It is a good time to look back and reflect maybe on, on areas that you could improve on in your Christian life and make a, make a commitment to God, not for the new year, but, but for the rest of your life that, that you're on this journey that it's gonna be personal. You know, those that take serving God personal, they're the ones that make progress in their Christian life. If you just kind of blend in, you'll never do anything for God. And it wasn't just personal, but it was peculiar. Jesus is asking them to leave everything to go do his task, his mission. Sometimes it will surprise us what God may ask us to give up. The things that he may ask us to leave behind in this life, untying, it was personal, it was peculiar, and it was a pilgrim journey. There's no journey like this journey here in this text. There's no journey like serving God, is there? And I see here the untying. It requires untying. It requires understanding. Notice when you get to verse number 10 and verse 11, Jesus tells them in verse 10, you're gonna be received by some. He says, in what place soever ye enter into a house and there abide till you depart from that place. There's some places they're gonna let you come in and they're gonna receive you. They're gonna receive you as a person. They're gonna receive what you have to say. And so they're gonna, you're gonna be received by some. And then he tells them in the next, 
next verse, you're going to be rejected by some. He said, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you. Some people's not even going to listen to what you have to say. When you depart, then shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. You know, sometimes uh, that's what you have to do. You just have to shake the dust off your feet and go on and serve God. There's no room in serving God. I don't see in this verse where there's any room to get your feelings hurt or to sit around and whine or whimper or to complain on how the world treats us. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, we ought to be stronger Christians than that. And when we come to church and when we serve God, we can't spend our days complaining about how we've been treated by others. Amen. That is a crutch that a lot of people want to lean on. They say, well, you know, I got out of church because somebody mistreated me. Listen, that's hogwash. Amen. Everybody here has been mistreated by somebody. And if the truth be told, everybody here, including your pastor, we've mistreated somebody else. Amen. And I want to show them the same grace that somebody showed me and the same mercy that somebody showed me. And the fact of the matter is this, if everybody you know does us wrong, there is one that never did us wrong. And if he's the one we're serving and if he's the one we're living for, then we ought to just press on with joy and keep on keeping on for the glory of God. Amen. I'm telling tonight, I'm saying simply saying this tonight. We've got to have that kind of mindset. We've got to have that understanding. I mean, hey, in the work of God, you're going to get hurt. And in the work of God, you're going to hurt somebody. Now, I don't want to hurt somebody. I don't mean to hurt somebody. But if you serve God long enough in this flesh, you're going to say something or you're going to do something sometime. And you're going to have to be a big enough Christian to go to them and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me for what I've done? Amen. Now you can hide your halo and tuck your wings in. You say, I had never hurt nobody. No, you just won't admit it tonight. You're not that lily white knight neither. Amen. I'm just saying, I appreciate people who have exercised forgiveness toward me. I don't want to be so blinded by pride as to think that I couldn't hurt somebody. You have to have that understanding, that mindset. There are going to be people that's not going to receive you. They're going to reject you. It takes an understanding. Serving God takes His power, but it also takes the right attitude. That's what Jesus is trying to put in their life right here. If you're going to go out on this journey, go with the right attitude. If you're going to serve God tonight, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to serve God in 2022, you're going to have to keep the right attitude. I think some people struggle with it, maybe more so than others. We all struggle with it. You know, sometimes if you're not careful, you'll go to church and you'll wonder why somebody didn't talk to you. You have to remind yourself they're not obligated to talk to you. Now, come on now. One thing I appreciate, one thing at our home, when our kids were growing up, we, we never sat around and analyzed church members. We just didn't do that. We didn't sit around and try to, you know, you know what I'm saying by that. We never sat around and said, you know, I wonder why so-and-so looked at me that way. Well, maybe you didn't comb your hair. <laughs> you know, so-and-so, they, you know, they didn't even look at me today. I never sit around. And then, and then I've heard the people say, well, I wonder what so-and-so is thinking. Don't even try to fit do that. Do, do, uh, hun, do you think that, you know, I, I've kind of been thinking about the, uh, this part. Do you think they're mad at me? I'm going to tell you, if I'm mad at you, I'll tell you. 
And I, I mean that because that's the type of person I am. I, I don't mean I'll bite your head off. I mean that if I'm upset, I want to come to you. Brother Thomas, if I'm upset with you, I want to come to you. I want to I just talk about it. I want to get it right. I want to get it fixed. I want to go and serve God. Is that right? And if it's not big enough for me to come talk to you about, then I just want to uh, say, Lord, forgive me because it's my spirit, it's my attitude, and I just want to go on and serve God. But I don't think we ought to sit around and, and try to figure people out and sit around and, and try to analyze. I don't want nobody analyzing me, so I don't want to analyze nobody else. I, I don't know why I'm on that, but I believe I'm right on the hound trail right now. I'm just telling you, uh, if you serve God, that's evil surmisings. If you're not careful, you'll let the devil plant things in your mind that's no more real than nothing. It's tormenting. It's torturous. It can cause division. I'm telling you, friend, it can disrupt your whole spiritual life. You've got to have the right understanding that you're just going to love people and love God and go on anyway. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? And just under the right understanding to accomplish the task. And then the, notice in closing that it requires not only an understanding and untying and unction unity, but notice it requires an undertaking. The Bible said in verse number 12, they went out. I see their movement right here in this phrase. They didn't stay put, but they went out. You know, if you're going to serve God, you got to put shoe leather on. You can't just go to a good church and hear preaching and enjoy the, the services and all that's wonderful. You know, I'm for all that, but, but serve, we don't serve God here. We worship God here. We leave and go out them doors. We enter to worship, but we leave to serve. A mission field is all around us. We, a mission field is on every corner. People are lost everywhere that we go. And there's an undertaking. Their movement, they went out. Notice their message. Look what they preached. Uh, they preached that men should repent. And I want to stop and say, we still need to preach that men need to repent. Amen. You don't have to be a preacher to preach that. But you ought to tell people that repentance is still in the Bible. And if people are going to be saved, they're going to have to repent. God commandeth men everywhere to repent, amen. Repentance is in the word of God, amen. amen. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And I see their message and then I see their miracles. The Bible said that they cast out many devils anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. You know, that's interesting because here's what happens. They have to leave first, their movement. They preach the message. God sends the power and the miracles take place. Now we know these are apostolic uh, mir miracles and we don't, uh, we don't believe men have that kind of power nowadays. nowadays. It was because the word of God had not been completed. It was to solidify their, their ministry and who they were and what God wanted them to do and we understand every bit of that. But the principle is this. They had to obey first. They preached the word of God and when they preached the word of God, the results came. You know that's true today. As they get us a song ready, it's still true today. If you and I are going to see people saved, it's simple math. We have to spread the gospel. We have to tell people how to be saved. Brother Barnes was, he was had this conversation several times, just from time to time. And he was talking about that. He said, you know, I go in a lot of churches where there's just 20, 25, 30 people, nothing wrong with that. 
But he said, sometimes pastors will say to me, they'll say, you know, I just, our church just won't grow. It just, in some places, this is not true. Some men are out knocking doors and working and they're just in hard areas. But Brother Barnes said a lot of times, he said, I'm talking to those pastors and I ask them, well, do y'all go out? Do you have visitation? Do you knock on doors? Do you, do you, and, and he said, more times than not, the answer is, well, no, we don't really do that. You know, the truth is this. If we sit on the side of the road, and we never tell nobody about Jesus. We never go out. We never knock doors. We never, we never give out the gospel. Every church like that eventually dies. You bury old time religion one family at a time. You gotta go. We have to go. And I understand the, the situation we've been in the past, but uh, we're, we're getting everything ready to go. We got, we've got to go. We've got to, uh, we got to knock doors. We've got to hand out tracts. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep supporting missionaries, yes, but listen, that, that's only part of it. Giving money to missions, it doesn't take away the responsibility. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when uh, men will go out of the, uh, the, the Bible college into uh, to missions, we remind them, don't get, the, don't get the syndrome that you think that you're the only one doing anything for God. These people working these jobs and, and supporting missionaries week in and week out. Uh, the, uh, Brother Lamar, they're going out and they're, they're knocking. Or this is your, your, your mission field here and God may not give me the burden for the prisons or, or the schools or, or, or for some other portion of the, of the mission field that he gave somebody else. Uh, doesn't mean I can't have a burden, but God gave me the burden for here and we're to plow the field God puts us in and we're to accomplish the mission. That's before as we stand tonight.